week of prayer. So please open your Bibles to James chapter 5, and you'll find this on page 1216. Page 1216, James chapter 5. And I want to break into the middle of verse 16. The last sentence in verse 16. James chapter 5, page 1216. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This is God's word. That first sentence is a great encouragement to us as we start this week of prayer, isn't it? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why bother with prayer? Does it make any difference? Without even thinking about it, we breathe in the air of all the assumptions of the Enlightenment that puts God in the world of, of private feelings rather than public facts. But the Bible cuts through that false distinction and James, at the end of this letter, writes to encourage Christians, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, just as they needed this encouragement, we need it too. Let's just remember the context. Keep, keep looking at James chapter 5. If you look back at verse 7, you'll see the context is a call to patiently be waiting for the Lord's return. Verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. As we start a brand new year, here's a verse that continues to uh, encourage us, challenge us, Shape us up. It's more true this year than it was last year. The Lord is returning. And we're called to patiently wait for his return. And that time of waiting is made all the harder because of the trials and troubles of life. Verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Just think about some of the Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah suffered great opposition. Ezekiel suffered bereavement. Hosea suffered marital breakdown. There are real heartaches and troubles that we face in life. And sometimes our, our Struggles are compounded by the criticism and grumbling of fellow believers. Look at verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. All of us to different degrees, and uh, we, we have to cope with sickness, 
the trials of temptation, spiritual failure, at times even wavering faith. And that is the context in which James wants to encourage us to see the great resource that is at our, at our, at our disposal, the resource of prayer. The prayer of a righteous person is effective and powerful. What happens when a righteous person prays? Well, this verse tells us that the power of God is unleashed with great effect. Prayer effects change in the world and in our lives. And that truth is what stirs James to encourage Christians to pray in all sorts of circumstances. Verse 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Do you come this morning with troubles and difficulties? James says, pray about them. Is anyone happy? I hope some are happy today. We haven't all got colds today, have we? Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise, which I guess is, is song prayer, isn't it? Verse 14, is anyone among you ill? Call the elders to pray. Now, I don't have the time to go into this verse uh, this morning. I don't believe it is teaching that elders with some oil are a way to jump the queue with your doctor. It's clear from verse 16 that the illness in view has, has a strong spiritual connection with specific sin. Therefore, confess your sin to each other. Verse 16, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The main point is this in this text. Whether life's going great, whether life is full of troubles and spiritual trials, it's a great time to pray and to pray for each other. What a blessing when we can pray together and pray for each other. For this very reason, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It does make a difference. It makes a difference whether we pray or not. And James, ever the practical pastor, gives a very specific example to illustrate his case. Verse 17. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Three things to notice about these two verses. Firstly, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He experienced all the ups and downs of life as we do. We've only read some short excerpts of the account of his life in 1 Kings. It's well worth reading the six chapters that deal with him. And what you'll discover is that at times he was very bold and brave. He was not afraid to go into the presence of kings and speak to kings. He, he was not afraid to call for a contest uh, where it was basically him and 850 ministers of Baal and Asherah. Imagine that. I'm going to call an event. Me and 850 of you and we'll see who really is God. 
the, the priests of Baal. Uh, Baal was famous for being the, the god who brings fire. Asherah, the, the goddess of fertility. And Elijah has the courage and boldness to say, okay, let's have a contest. Let's meet together. Little old me will pray, and 850 of you will pray. Bold and brave at times, but at other times, he crumpled. He was fearful and anxious. After this great high of the contest on Mount Carmel, Jezebel sends him a message, you'll be dead tomorrow. And he just crumples. And he runs away from his responsibilities. He, he knew what it was to have great depression of feeling alienated and alone. He suffered with such strong suicidal thoughts that he begged God to take his life. And yet this is the man that God commissioned and wonderfully recommissioned into his service. He was a man just like us, with the same frailties, the same struggles. But it was his prayers that God chose to use to great effect. I think that's very encouraging, isn't it? The Lord listens to weak, frail people like us. But my guess is that some have already excluded themselves from the, the, this particular uh, promise of Scripture. Uh, if you're like me, you're thinking to yourself, well, I think it's great that the prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective, but I know my own sin and failings. <coughs> This doesn't apply to me. Great prayer, pray, a promise for someone else. But this is a great year, 2017. This is the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther nailing his 95 thesis to the Wittenberg Castle Gate. And we should remember the great rediscovery that was made by Martin Luther. After studying the Psalms and the book of Romans, he came to a fresh understanding of Romans chapter 1, verse 17, which says this, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And Luther wrote this, at last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through the gates that had been flung open. God declares us righteous when we put our faith in his son to forgive our sins and make us right with him. This statement is not for some special super saint. It is for every Christian believer who is trusting the Lord Jesus. You have been declared righteous. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was, was a man, uh, a human being, just like us. Secondly, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Now, when you think about it, that's a strange thing, isn't it? 
of all the things you could pray for, why would you pray for such an unusual thing that it would not rain? What's going on here? Well, Elijah looked at the prosperity of his age and the northern country of Israel was doing very well at that time. And what he saw was this. He saw spiritual bankruptcy. He saw spiritual apostasy. He saw idolatry and false worship. That's what he saw as he looked at the prosperity of his culture. And he read and knew God's word, the Pentateuch. He knew about the book of Deuteronomy, of how God had declared the blessings of covenant obedience and the curses of covenant disobedience. Turn back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. You'll find this on page 190. (coughs) Page 190. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 13. So, if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your corn new wine and olive oil. I'll provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied." Be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. This is the great temptation of prosperity, to be enticed by the stuff and end up worshiping it and living for it. Verse 17, then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce and you'll soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. So you can turn back to James if you want. So he was distressed, Elijah, as he saw the spiritual state of the nation. He was distressed as he saw those who are called to be leaders of God's people. They're actually financing it all. And so he said to King Ahab, um, well, Ahab met him. And said, you're the troublemaker, Elijah. And Elijah said, I'm not the troublemaker. I've not made trouble for Israel. You and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Elijah was distressed to see how God's people had been diverted to serve and worship false gods rather than listen to God's word and walk in obedience to God's commands. And this is always the great temptation for God's people, surrounded by a world that rejects and ignores God, that we turn to worship and serve all the idols of an unbelieving culture, that we stop listening to to God's word and that we ignore the bits that are unpalatable to us. But he believed God's word, and in response, he 
prayed. Elijah prays that God would enact the covenant curses in order to wake people up and to call them back to God. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years, it says. Literally, in the original language, it says, in prayer, he prayed. It's not a casual thought, one quiet time. As he was praying, he really prayed this. Lord, stop the rain. Bring this nation to its knees. Wake people up that they would seek you. He was a man like us. He prayed there would not rain. And what happened? And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Verse 18, and again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produces crops. God is sovereign. He controls the rain, not Baal. He's the God who brings harvests out of the ground, not Asherah. Elijah was praying for the economic ruin of his country, and it would have done that. And then after the great contest of the two sacrifices and the prophets of Baal's failure, and, and then God's fire consuming the sacrifice, what do the people fall prostrate and cry out? The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They're starting to get the idea. And so at the start of this new year of 2017, as we begin this week of prayer, Yes, if you have personal troubles, bring them to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray about those things. If you are happy, let's pray and sing songs of praise because he's worthy of all our praise and our prayer and delight. But we need to widen our prayers from our own concerns and look out to this nation and look out to the state of Christ's church. What is the key to powerful and effective prayer? I believe in part it is this, that we pray in line with God's revealed will and his words. Like Elijah, he had these promises of God, that God declared what he was going to do. And he prayed in line with that. And God was pleased to use his prayers to great and powerful effect. Let's pray in line with God's will for this needy world. What is God's revealed will and purpose today? Well, we've received our command, haven't we? The Lord Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've been commanded to go and make disciples. Let's pray for this city of Edinburgh. That the gospel would have a greater impact on this city. That God would use us to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's pray about the spiritual state of Christ's church in this nation. There's so much spiritual compromise. God's word has been marginalized and even mocked in churches and we live in this culture where where God is seen as irrelevant where the pursuit of pleasure and of materialism of success is is everything 
And so we need to pray for each other that we will have undivided hearts that fear God's name. That we won't become just like everybody else around us. Let's pray for those who are once part of this church but who have wandered from the truth. Let's pray for our children who are not following Christ. Let's pray for those who are pursuing sin rather than righteousness. Let's pray for those who have divided hearts and loyalties, that they would treasure Christ, that we would treasure Christ above all else. Do you know, as a Christian church, we're called to a task that is not humanly possible to achieve. We've been given tasks that that human strength cannot achieve. We need God's power unleashed to effect change in this world. And so my plea to you as a church is please gather together with us this week as we gather to call upon God in prayer to unleash God's power in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, in, in our cities, in, our, in this nation. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, we are weak, but you are mighty. And we thank you for these great and precious promises. Father, please grow our faith to believe them and to act upon them. Teach us to be a more prayerful, dependent people in this year ahead, we ask. Father, we look to you that you would unite our hearts. Keep us from having divided hearts, O Lord. And we pray for this lost world that is pursuing its idols to its shame. Lord, have mercy and use us, we pray. Father, we want to thank you that we have this privileged access into your very throne through through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you've given us your Holy Spirit who uh, calls out from within us that we know that we are your children and that you delight in to hear our prayers as our loving Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you for these great assurances that we can step out into this year with. In Christ's name, amen.